0: So this morning, I want to just entitle the, the short devotion here, I going to entitle it an open door. And we'll start in, in Revelation chapter 3 um, in Christ's letter or the, what the angel is speaking to the churches. And to the church in Philadelphia in verse 7, we read this and it says to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, right? These things saith he that is holy, he that is true. He that hath the key of David, he that openeth, and no man shutteth, and he that shutteth, and no man openeth. Um, this key, I think, alludes a little bit to um, when Eliakim, the son of Helkiah, held the key to all the king's treasures. And we find this in Isaiah 22, um, and this was during the reign of Hezekiah. And in 2 in Kings 18 16, we also um, find a little bit more description about Eliakim. And he was to be over the king's household. He was to be in charge of the palace. So when him, opened the door, um, it was opened, and when he closed the door, it was closed it was it was he had that kind of control and and this was the authority that was granted to him in this kind of the same way um, Jesus possesses the king to the key, the key to the kingdom of God um, and entrance into eternal life and he goes on, he tells the church in verse eight he says, "I know thy works, behold, I've set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it for thou hast little strength, and thou hast kept my word." and has not denied my name. So when the Lord opens a door to someone to hear his word, nothing's going to prevail against that. Um, And this idea, if we think about an open door, it appears several times in the New Testament. And each time, at least what I was able to find, that open door represents an opportunity for ministry. So they're tied together. Um, In Acts chapter 13 and 14, we find Paul and Barnabas. Um, They'd been separated by the church of Antioch to go forth and minister. And they started out on their missionary journey and were given a list of places that they went. And we can see that it was primarily to the Jews. So they went back to their own people. And they didn't have a lot of success. In Acts chapter 13, verse 14, it says, When they came to Antioch and Sidah, they went into the synagogue to preach the Sabbath. And an uproar was so great and the sermon was so poorly received, they shook off the dust of their feet against the hearers and they left. They went on to Iconium and Lystra, and it seemed to only get worse, and Paul was eventually stoned. He was left for dead, Um, and it was then that they finally seemed to understand that it was not the Jews that they'd been set to preach to. It was to the Gentiles, Um, and in Acts 14, they returned to Antioch, and when they were come, they had gathered uh, the church together. They rehearsed all that God had done to them and how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles, and when when they had tried preaching to the unbelieving Jews, it was like kind of running into a shut door, um, and, and, but when they turned to the Gentiles they found that door open they were willing to receive the gospel in his letter to the Corinthians Paul talked about doors in the ministry being opened in Ephesus First um, Corinthians 16, 8, 9 says but I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost for a great door and effectual is opened unto me and there are many adversaries and in 2 Corinthians 2, uh, 12 Paul also writes furthermore when I came to Troas to preach the Christ's gospel and a door was opened unto me of the Lord Each of these passages, the door uh, opened apart from Paul's plans. When the door opened at Ephesus, he had to change his plans. When the door opened at Troas, it conflicted with his desire to find Titus. And and it's significant here that Paul didn't force doors open um, and did not always happen at a convenient time for him. Um, But the lesson he'd begun learning in the missionary journey with Barnabas, um, that it was necessary for God to open doors for the ministry could be successful, was kind of beginning to take hold on Paul's life. John Stott wrote something, he has a really good way with words, something I couldn't write, but I thought this was pretty powerful when we think about this concept of an open door. He said, Christ has the keys and opens a door. Then let us not bang our way unceremoniously through the doors which are still closed. We must wait for him to make openings for us. Damage is continually done for the cause of Christ by rude or blatant testimony. It's indeed right to seek to win for Christ our friends and relatives at home and at work, but we are sometimes in a greater hurry than God is. Be patient, pray hard, love much, and wait expectantly for the opportunity of witness. The same applies to our future. More mistakes are probably made by speed than by sloth, by impatience than by deleteriousness. God's purposes often ripen slowly, and if the door is shut, don't put your shoulder to it. Wait till Christ takes out the key and opens it up. In in his letter to the Colossians in uh, chapter 4, verse 3, Paul encouraged the church to pray for the gospel advance. He said, with all praying also for us that God would open a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds. So the question for us, I think, today is what do we do when we find a closed door? Do we try to bust in? You know, sometimes God keeps them firmly closed and we find ourselves just futilely fighting against him. Other times we can bust through on our own account only to find out that we made the situation worse. Um, so rather than, than if we had just waited, it might have worked out better. So rather than forcing doors open, we should pray that God would open them for ourselves and for others. Um, such an open door is both a blessing to us and to those who have the privilege of sharing that gospel um, to those who need to hear the message. Paul understood this and he was he was asking the churches to join him in praying for to God to open doors. The Colossians probably did not know the people well that Paul was asking them to pray for, and yet they were willing to come alongside and help him further the ministry. I learned a lesson here a few years ago. I had a colleague that moved to our area, and we live in a pretty small town, and they were really turned off by someone who come and just blatantly explained the gospel to them. Um, when they told me about it, I, I sort of tried to apply a little salve to the wounds, trying to, you know, sort of, Walked them through that a bit, and they didn't want to listen at all. They were pretty upset. Um, And they told me, just point blank, there's many ways to heaven, and I'm going to figure it out on my own, and I don't need somebody to tell me that Christ is the only way. But interestingly enough, they've continued to work for us, and a couple of years passed by, and they came back, and they made a comment to me in one of our um, management meetings. They said, you know what? You're interesting. They said, you're the only person I've ever met that truly lives out the gospel. And I I thought that was interesting because, I mean, if we break this down a little bit, we know that there's only one way to heaven. So what she was telling me is not true. There's not multiple ways. And secondly, is I'm not the only person that lives out the gospel. There's much better examples of that in many, many other people. Um, But it, it really taught me to quit regretting the fact that I hadn't explained the gospel to her because this was a place and time where it was better to live out that gospel and let them observe rather than just purposely going out and teaching it to them, and so the time that was spent in prayer, those two years where they were feeling rejected or or wanting to reject what they had heard, those two years actually in prayer that I spent praying specifically as a person ended up actually working out for better when we let it work through God's time, so I'm sure each of you have similar experiences, and but the point here is to understand that there are times to be bold, and there are times to live quietly, and it's up to us to discern what we're to do. I, I don't know about you, but I often get it wrong. Um, I Even today, even though I learned a, a lesson a few years ago, I still get it wrong. And I'm, I tend to be built more for efficiency and speed and want to get it done and you know check off the list rather than being patient and understanding what is God really wanting me to do here? Um, just because the door is closed today, I want to encourage us to think about this, doesn't mean God won't open it. Um, maybe it won't be us who gets the privilege to to tell that person or preach the gospel there, but our prayers can pave the way when God opens the door to someone else where the gospel is clearly spoken. Now, if we think about it, we started here in Revelation. That city of Philadelphia, if you look at a map, was kind of the gateway city to a larger region. It's, it started if you start at the port of Smyrna, you would travel through Philadelphia on your way into the Asian trade routes. Thus, it was really strategically located for ministry. And for those who travel through the city. So when we think about this, where has God placed us? What is the strategic location that we're in? Where's God opening doors for us? If they're open to us, do we go through them? Um, Are we living out what God's called us to do? It it took Paul and Barnabas quite a while to figure this out. In fact, Paul had to go to the point of death. He had to be stoned to really figure out where God is wanting to preach, to fully grasp that lesson. So, if there's closed doors that you're trying to force open, will you commit to praying to God to open them and then wait patiently until He moves? It might seem frustrating at times when God's not moving, but let's remember Paul's plea in Colossians. He asked them to pray that the door might be open so that Paul could go preach. It can be hard to really stay quietly in prayer sometimes, especially for me. I don't know about you, but maybe others can do this better. It's hard to stay quiet in the prayer closet while others are having success, but maybe. Just maybe that's what God's called us to do today.